Number one, everything, everything begins and ends with Jesus. That is not just a really good point. That is a biblical absolute. Okay, really important for you to understand. If this book is not the absolute authority of your life, then you and I don't believe the same thing. I need to say that again because I don't know if you're still visiting or if you're just distracted today, I'm not sure. But I'm going to say that again for more than two amens. Not because I need it, just because I want to make sure that you heard me. But, but if this book is not the absolute authority, if anything else controls your worldview or your perspective, if this book is not the absolute authority in your life, then you and I don't believe in the same God. That's a big deal because I know some people who claim we believe in the same God, but this book is not the absolute authority. And I'm telling you right now, you can mark it down, put my name beside it, and post it all over the place. If this book is not the absolute authority of your life, then you and I do not believe in the same God. But if it is, then everything begins and ends with Jesus like even the order in which he had the book positioned. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. Many of you have heard this sermon preached before. I won't re-preach it today. But God didn't create the sun and the stars and the moon until day 4. So what was the light that, got, that burst forth across creation on the first day? What was the light? Well, I believe we can read it in the Gospels. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. There you go. There's the answer. He was very, very authoritative. He was just very open and absolute right there. It was him. And if you've read the book of Revelation, then you know that this world will end with Jesus. As I read a minute ago, coming on a white horse in power and great glory. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. I read this last week. I won't belabor it too long, but remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Listen, this scripture is not about me. I, this is not like, I want you to remember me as often as possible. No, no, here, listen. I heard one of my mentors say this to his congregation at Easter. Don't put your faith in me, please. I will let you down. If I haven't done it already, I'll make you mad. I promise you. It's a gift God just has given me. This innate ability to irritate people and to annoy them and to offend them. I don't mean to. It's just, it just happens. Don't follow, don't follow Jesus because of me. Don't follow Jesus because of a friend or a family member. Because people will always let you down. And if you are following Jesus because of a person, then you will stop following Jesus because of a person. Come on, that's good preaching right there. You follow Jesus because of Jesus. I want you to come to Jesus because of me. I hope to lead as many people to Jesus as possible. But after I lead them to him, I want them to follow him because of him, not me. Because I don't want to get in the way. But he says, remember your leaders. Who is your leader? It's anybody that's taught you the word of God. It's not me. Now, pray for me. Pray for my bride because she has to put up with me. Pray, pray for my children, our ministry. Pray for our staff. Pray for our elders and our, our board members. Pray for us. Remember us in your prayers. But the word of God has been taught to you by way more people than just me. I just have a once a week opportunity. 
And by the way, we preach the word of God, not just in a sermon on Sunday, but in, when, in what we show every other day. The word of God is preached by our words and our deeds. By, by what comes out of our mouth, our exclamations, and our actions. That's our message, okay? Remember the leaders who taught you the word of God. And think of all the good that has come from their lives. Some of you are thinking of your life. Like when you weren't following Jesus, when you were. And it's not that everything just worked out and, and, and was just way better. You know, you don't follow Jesus because life is better. You follow Jesus because good people don't go to heaven, saved people do. You follow Jesus because he's the only one that laid his life down for you and raised it back up again. So remember and consider the good that has come from the lives and follow the example of their faith. I have a picture I wanted to show you. I referenced this man last week. This is Pastor Vernon Abels, the uncle of Pastor Jeff Abels at Crossroads. I didn't know Pastor Jeff when I went to Searcy, Arkansas. Uh, my bride and I went. Uh, we, we were in our first year of marriage with no children. It was just us. And I know some of you are like, oh, they're going to grow up too fast. Yeah, I know. <laughs> then I'm going to get my girlfriend back. Come on, somebody. <laughs> anyway, so I'll be sad, I'm sure. I'm sure of it. Um, but we went to Searcy, Arkansas. And uh, this is how I remember Pastor Abel's. I know this is so good it looks Photoshopped. It's not. This is a picture that his wife took of him with her cell phone. I don't know how she got that. It's like the glory of the Lord shining on him. Just him reading his Bible uh, early in the morning, which is when he would read and then throughout the day, obviously. But Pastor Abel's pastored at Searcy First Assembly for years. He was our first pastor. He was a great man of God. I actually have another picture um, I couldn't find it, and it, it wasn't really, I think she was like in her nightgown or something, but I have another picture of one of my children sitting and reading their Bible early in the morning. When I saw this picture, I thought, man, that has, that has flowed down into, into my children from, from a man that was a spiritual father to me, even though he wasn't a biological father to me. Pastor Abels went to be with the Lord this past January, and his son posted this picture online and I saw it and I, I sent him, I said, man, can you please email me the, like the original picture? I want that. He sent it that day. Pastor Abel's one of the most just gracious, I mean, almost to a fault. I was like, Pastor Abel's, will you please like, let me deal with it. I'll, I'll, I'll do. He's like, no, son, you. And I was like, yeah, but pastor, I need, you need to do it. He goes, <laughs> he said, I, pastor, I, I did this because, and he goes, you did it because you're young and aggressive. I was like, I don't think so. I think it's just my personality. <laughs> And I don't know if I'm still just young and aggressive or it's still just my personality, but he was just not that way. He was so kind and he was so gracious and he was so merciful and he was patient. And, and he came and he interviewed us and everything was going great. And then we got, we got into the kitchen of the parsonage. It was, it was a nice parsonage. It just wasn't quite as nice as the brand new house that we had just sold to move into the church parsonage where you could turn on the shower, flush the toilet, and brush your teeth without moving. You know, it was just... Anyways, we're in the kitchen, and, uh, and Pastor Abel says, Chris, listen, I, I'm excited. Like, I, you know, we feel good about this, and so did Megan, and I, we, we, we all felt good about it. And, and he said, man, I, I just need to let you know one thing. There's nothing I won't help you with. You can come to me with anything and, and I will help you. I will do my best. I'll cover you. I'll protect you. I'll take care of you. 
He said, but if you lie to me, I can't help you. And then he said, and if you're ever disloyal to me, if you ever stir up dissension or division in any way, that will be your last day at this church. I will fire you without question. I'll send you home, I'll take care of your wife, and I'll get her back to you. But this will, that will be your last day. If you're ever disloyal, there's one thing I cannot stand and I cannot allow, and it's disloyalty from any staff member at this church. And I said, yes, sir. I had the opportunity this past week, we're gonna show you a pretty cool video at the end of this service, just all the things that you get to be a part of in the, just the Louisiana network of the Assemblies of God. But I was at this conference this past week and had an opportunity, I was talking to another pastor in the hallway and, and we were listening and, and conversating with Pastor Denny Duran, who, who is an apostolic hero of the faith um, in this day and age. The pastor of Shreveport Community Church followed his daddy, Rodney Duran, who pastored First Assembly of God Shreveport. Now Pastor Denny's son, Denny Rodney, is, is the pastor. I, just, I love this man. And I was sharing this story. And if you've never been around Pastor Denny, you don't understand how intimidating he is. Um, he led a revival at Louisiana Tech, ended up playing um, for the Washington Redskins. He's a, he's, a, he's a very authoritative individual. He's also very kind and compassionate at the same time, which is a cool balance that I asked him to help me with. He took his, <laughs> he took his glasses off and he stared at me and, I, and it was like he was glaring into my soul. And I was, I was like scared and excited all at the same time. You know, I, was like, I didn't know if we were fixing to run through a wall or if I was fixing to get my butt whipped. You know what I mean? Like I didn't know if it was, if I can't say that. That's why you have children's ministry. I'm sorry. Um, but he looked at me and he said, Chris. And I'm like, yes, sir. <laughs> he said, you need to know that the legacy of that man has been planted in you. That loyalty it's not just something that was said to you. It's now inside of you. And it's been handed down into you. It's in your spirit. It's in the spirit of everything that you do. And it's why your family is loyal to you. And it's why your staff is loyal to you. And it's why your church is loyal to you. And it's why there's a spirit of loyalty and unity that is fought for in the house over which you serve. It's been passed down. I got home. I didn't even tell my wife this, that that had happened. I got home and Megan's on the phone with somebody the same day who was calling the, her to tell her something that somebody said about one of our children that wasn't true. And I have found that you do not talk to a Cajun about their pastor's children unless you're ready to go round one. And that happened in that scenario. But just the raising up of somebody that loves us enough to protect us. Here's verse eight. Jesus Christ is the same. How does that go together? Because the same God that my pastor served for over 50 years in ministry is the God that in the name of Jesus, I will serve for the next 50 years in ministry. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Everything begins and ends with Jesus. His morals, his principles, his authority, his power. And I said this last week, but we, we made the slide for you to see it this week. If Jesus was true to his word in regards to the resurrection, then Jesus Christ is worthy of our trust. 
Let's go ahead and put that up there. If Jesus was true to his word, I want you to see it. And I want you to get this because I've been preaching this hard, but I've just kind of been throwing it. In. I want to emphasize it. I like I want to rehearse it so that we remember it as we move forward in this year and into anything else that God has called us to next year and the next year and the next year. If Jesus was true to his word in regards to the resurrection, then he is trustworthy. He is worthy of our trust in every other. If the resurrection isn't true, then this whole thing is a hoax. And we're wasting our time, finances, effort, energy, and investment. But if the resurrection is true, watch out. If the resurrection is true, then he proved his power when he overcame death, hell, and the grave in an instant on the third day. And if the resurrection is true, come on, hang on, because I'm bringing it back to you. This is coming full circle. You ready? If the resurrection is true, and if Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then the follower of Jesus Christ should be the same. Oh, come on. I, if, if we believe in Jesus and we claim that we are a follower of Jesus and he is faithful and true, then we should be faithful and true. If he was obedient unto death, even death on a cross, then we better come into a place where we learn how to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow Jesus wherever, whenever, in front of whomever that he puts us. If Jesus was the same, then we should be too. The same as what? The same as he is. The same as the disciples were. The same as the Israelites learned to be. The same as the spiritual heroes listed in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 were. If they could believe God for it, come on, we can believe God for it because he is the same. And he proved that he was who he was when he came out of that tomb. So we need to stop just preaching and proclaiming the resurrection and start proving it with the way that we live. Come on, somebody. The resurrection should be evident. The power of Jesus Christ should be evident in our relationships. The power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ should be evident in our marriages. It should be evident in our parenting. It should be evident in our submission to authority. Oh, it got quiet just then. It should be evident in our willingness to serve serve others even if we don't get paid or paid back. It should be evident in our desire to operate in grace and minister in mercy. It should be evident in every area of our lives just as it was evident in every area of his life. Because everything, y'all gonna make me hurt myself, begins, oh my, see resurrection power should be evident in our faith, our friendships, our family. Oh, and careful, hold on, because some of y'all knew I was going to mention it. And even our finances. You should be able to see Jesus in how I spend my money. Because it's not mine. It's his. Resurrection power should be evident in our generosity. Why should resurrection power be so evident? Because number two, Jesus Christ has always been present. From Genesis to Revelation and as we stand in between, everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus. You can, if you read the Old Testament, 
without understanding the imagery, the patterns, and the promises that point to Jesus Christ in the New Testament and the book of Revelation and the final days, the end times, then you miss the purpose of this word. And you'll read the Old Testament as one book and the New Testament as another book. And you'll separate unintentionally the Father from the Son and the Son from the Spirit. But if you understand that everything points to Jesus and everything begins and ends with Jesus, and Jesus wasn't just promised, he was present. And if he was present then, then he's present now. Am I talking too fast for some of you? Some of you need to get some more coffee. There's coffee right there. If you're falling asleep, just get up. Go drink it black. That'll wake you up. Come on, somebody. Don't put a bunch of sugar and milk in it. That'll make you sleepy. Get you some black coffee, and you will spurse right up right there. First Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. Paul writing to the church in Corinth. He said, I do not want you to be an idiot. And I would echo those divine words of the Apostle Paul. What he's saying, I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be un uneducated. I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to not understand and not know that our fathers were all under the cloud. That the ones who came before us went through something to get where God wanted them to be. I said the ones who came before us went through something to get where God wanted them to be. And if it wasn't easy for them, then God didn't promise it would be easy for us. He just said he'd be available to us when it wasn't easy for us. And they all passed through the sea. They all passed from slavery into salvation. Jump with me to verse 4. The Bible says they all drank the same spiritual drink. That's why Jesus says, I am the living water. Whoever drinks from me will never thirst again. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. Isn't it good to know that even when you're wandering aimlessly, Jesus is still following you? That that song that everybody was fussing about a few years ago about his love being relentless and the father being relentless after the one, it's true that God never gave up on you. Even when you wished he would have, he wouldn't. He just won't leave you alone. As long as you're breathing and you have blood flowing through your veins, he just won't leave you alone. The Bible says that the rock followed them. And the, the, the rock. Now listen, in my Bible, when I read that, that R is capitalized to denote that we're not talking about a rock. It wasn't like a, a little, like a million people are walking through the wilderness and this, this little rock is rolling down, rolling like, hey, look, the rock. I just said that like y'all would. You see, did you hear that? Look, the rock. I ain't never said that. Look at the rock is what I would have said. Look, the rock. I see the rock, me. Only church I've ever pastored. Somebody ask a question and answer it before I can even finish. <laughs> That's what you wanted to do, yeah? <laughs> yeah. That's second service only. I didn't come up with that in first service. It's not a rock. It's a personal pronoun. To designate that this was someone specific. It's not a rock. The rock. 
and the rock was Jesus Christ. Right there in the Old Testament. Because everything points to Jesus. Verse 11, now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction. That's wisdom, by the way. That you don't have to learn from your own consequence in every generation. Stop speaking death over your children and grandchildren saying, well, they got to learn somehow. No, you can teach them. You... They were written down for their own instruction. For whom? For those of whom the end of the ages has come. Now, Paul wrote this to the church in Corinth. And then some people are going to, well, if the end of the ages came then and it came today, and if it hasn't come yet, then is he really coming? I know that's between you and Jesus. Maybe God is not subject to our timetable. Maybe God is not willing to stay in your box of understanding. The end of the ages, remember that phrase. The point is, Jesus has always been present, and he will always be present. And bump your neighbor and say if he was present for the Israelites, disciple and Corinthians, then he'll be present for us. Just wake him up. If he was present for them, he would be, he would be present for us. Jesus, it, I, when I think of Jesus, I think of my wife. That was smart, by the way. I did that on purpose. <laughs> I put that in my notes. Jesus, like, he's like a hovercraft mama. He's not like an absent father. You all right? I'm going to drink some water while the front row recovers real quick. I'm normally spitting on them. He just spit on me. This is a family-friendly atmosphere. It's like a hovercraft mama. Some people think of God like an absent father. He's not like an absent father. He's present. Like a hovercraft mama. That's what I used to call Megan. I'm like, girl, you like a, you like a hovercraft. You are going to stress yourself to no end trying to make sure these kids don't get hurt on this playground. Just let them play, woman. No, I'm not just going to let them play. I'm not you. Every time you bring them home, they're hurt or cut or scraped or bleeding. I'm not bringing them, like, I'm not bringing them home like that. I think Jesus is, now it's not that he won't allow you to go through some things, but I think that Jesus is, is, is hovering, like the spirit of the Lord was hovering over the face of the earth, right there in the very, I think that the spirit of God hovers over us everywhere that we go. And as long as we surrender and submit to him, then he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's making sure that everything works out, not the way that we want it to, but come on, the way that he wants it to. And it might not go our way, but it's going to go his way because he's present. And if he was present for them, he's going to be present for us. Because she is not a better mama than he is a savior. Come on, somebody. She's a great mama, but she ain't Jesus. And I love my babies, but I don't love them as much as God loves me. Jesus was present. Everything points to Jesus. There was always a plan. There was always a promise. Look with me, if you will. Daniel chapter 7. If you notice, I hadn't told you the title of the day's message yet. I'm not going to. Until I get there, everything I've talked about up to this point is going to lead us to the title of today's message. And it's just one word. It's the word I want you to take out of here. And, but to understand the significance of this word, we've got to look at this vision that Daniel had that he couldn't interpret. Daniel was having dreams of beasts and animals and horns and thrones and fire. It's creepy. A lot of people have made a living off of selling this fear 
to people all around and then trying to explain the specifics of it instead of the significance of it. I'm not here to explain the, the specifics of Daniel's vision or, or Ezekiel's vision or, or, or John's vision today. I can give you some ideas of some things that I think, but then I'd have to argue with some people that can't even agree and they have PhDs in this area. So I'm not here to argue today the specifics, but I am here today to point out the significance. Daniel chapter 7 verse 9. Daniel says, as I looked, thrones were placed. And the Ancient of Days took his seat. You remember a minute ago, I, I told you to remember the phrase, the end of the ages? That, could also, that phrase could also be the end of days. Aren't you grateful that at the end of days, we've always had an Ancient of Days? This word ancient, it means aged or eternal of all the days. It means God created time. He's not subject to it. It means God created the days. He's not subject to the days. He was here before the days were created, and he'll be here after the days are gone. He was, he is, and he shall forever be. He's ancient, eternal. Daniel said, thrones were placed, and the ancient of days took his seat. Don't you, didn't nobody, he didn't ask anybody, hey, is this seat, to, can I sit here? That's not what he said. He was caging. <clears throat> That's my chair. <laughs> I know there's a difference between Cajuns and North Louisiana. This is second service only. Some of y'all heard this before. But, but North Louisianians, we'll go to things and be like, man, I hope nobody's sitting in my seat. Like, I got this ticket. I hope nobody's sitting in my seat. Cajuns go to stuff, and they're like, but I wish somebody would be sitting in <laughs> I got this ticket. I'm telling you, they better not be sitting in my seat. <laughs> I stole that joke. I can't even tell you where I stole it, because I wasn't supposed to watch that a long time ago. <laughs> B.C., B.C. But the ancient of days came out, and, and he didn't ask, can I sit here, please? No, 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 he took his seat. The Bible says he took his seat. Whether you give him one or not, one day he's just going to take it. You may as well give it to him now so he don't have to take it later. <laughs> Verse 9, jump down with me. As he took his seat, his clothing was white as snow. Does this sound familiar? John described Jesus the exact same way. Maybe he knew this vision. Maybe he knew this dream, and he was just seeing it and redefining it. But I think he saw the same Savior that Daniel was seeing in this vision, in this dream. His clothing was white as snow, and his, the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, and the wheels were burning fire. Now listen, if you don't have the fire, you fear the fire. But when the fire's on the inside of you, then you don't fear the fire because you understand that the fire's not in you to punish you. The fire is in you to purify you. And you understand that you'd rather end up like gold refined, come on, than grass, hay, and straw burn up with everybody else. So when you got the fire of God on the inside, you're not afraid of any other strange fire that may exist on the outside because the fire doesn't cause fear. The fire causes fulfillment. There is a flame of fire. Now, if you don't have the fire, you fear it. It makes you uncomfortable. Well, the fire of God. I don't even believe in God. Well, you will. The fiery flames and its wheels were burning. Jump down with me to verse 13. Daniel says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, the clouds of heaven. There came one like a son of man. It's the same phrase that was used when the, th when the Hebrew boys were in the fire of Nebuchadnezzar. I saw a fourth one 
in the fire, likened unto the Son of Man, Jesus, in the Old Testament. He's always been, he will always be. Then the Bible says, look, you have this picture of the Father and the Son coming together because they were one in the Old Testament, they're one in the New Testament, and they're one today. The Son of Man, he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him, verse 14, and to him was given dominion. What did Jesus tell the disciples? All authority in heaven and on the earth has been given unto me. Daniel chapter 7, Daniel sees a vision of the Ancient of Days, and the Bible says, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, and I wish I had 15 minutes to preach all peoples, all peoples. Oh, come on, that's, that's people that aren't like you. That's North Louisianians and South Louisianians. My Lord, Tiger fans and Bama fans, help us, Jesus. Republicans and Democrats, come on, somebody. See, your political position does not position you with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Red and blue, white and black, American, African, Canadian, Mexican. I understand that I'm naming right now ethnicities and nationalities. I just want you to know that at the end of days, every color, every creed, every man, every woman, every child, God, the only thing that God discriminates against is whether the child is covered in the blood or refused to be covered in the blood. The skin tone and the ethnicity and the nationality of the person was a human flaw, not a divine flaw. There is not a curse on a specific people group because we all were cursed when we broke that one law that made us guilty of every law. But because of our fallenness, God was able to show his faithfulness that he sent his son to die once and for all. For all what? For all fallen men, for all fallen women, for all fallen children from America to Asia, Africa, and all the way back again, Daniel prophesied what John the Revelator saw later, that every knee and every tongue would ultimately stop whining about what color somebody is or is not and confess Jesus Christ is Lord. All people, all nations, all languages should serve him. Every one of us will. We may as well do it now. While we have a choice, because one day the choice will be gone. It was given to him, the dominion, the people, the nations, the languages. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. Verse 15, but as for me, now look, I was excited. Could you tell? But Daniel, as for me, my spirit within me was anxious, and the visions of my head alarmed me. I got excited. Daniel got anxious and alarmed. Why was he anxious and alarmed? Because Daniel didn't have an interpretation for this dream. Daniel, the one who was known for his spirit of excellence, which was ultimately the spirit of God on the inside of him. Daniel, the one who was known for his ability to lay with lions 
and to not eat from the king's table and end up more enlightened physically and spiritually than all of the rest. Daniel, the one who was known for his ability, almost likened unto Joseph, to interpret dreams that the dreamer would not even define for him. And yet, in all of that, Daniel could not interpret his own dream. That's interesting. That the prophet, just like us, was better at helping other people than he was helping himself. It's like a natural tendency of all humanity that we can look at everybody around us and see exactly what they need to do. But when it comes to our scenario, our situation, our struggle, our frustration, we have no answer and we forget that God could show us if we just seek him. And we accuse him of doing the same things to us that we judge them for accusing him of in their lives. Daniel had no interpretation, so he was anxious and he was alarmed. Daniel is still in the house of a pagan, a tyrant, a dictator. His people are still in captivity. And unfortunately, he's looking around at the potential of the people that God has given him authority with and over, and he realizes that they have learned nothing from their captivity. He realizes that even though God has caused them to not be able to do the things that they used to take for granted, they still are taking them for granted. Like in 2020, when everybody was captive, and now here two years later, we are in the exact same scenario and mindset that we were before. And you would think that when God showed us how quickly life and the earth and, and our ability to gather forget together in the name of Jesus could be taken away, that we wouldn't take for granted the things that we were able to do just a, a few days before. But here we are two years later, and we're right back in the same captivity that we were in 2019 because we haven't learned the lesson from 2020. And Daniel's looking around at the captivity and the bondage. And I think that we misrepresent it. I don't think it's on purpose when we call it Babylonian captivity. Because they weren't really captive to the Babylonians. They were captive to their own disobedience. The Babylonians were just what God used to show them their already captive spirits. So what was happening spiritually began to manifest itself physically. And every time that we become captive in our spirit, you will begin to see it in person. But here's what's worse. They became satisfied in their captivity. And Daniel is looking around and he's having this vision and he's having this dream and he's concerned for his people. But he's confused because he doesn't have an interpretation. He doesn't have an answer for the people that he is called to lead. Have you ever not had an answer for the people that are looking to you to give them one? Like you're the person of influence. And they ask you the question because you would normally have the answer, but in this scenario, the situation is too big for you to just simply state a solution. And that's the position that Daniel is in. But the beauty of this passage is that in the middle of his concern and in the middle of his struggle, even though he didn't have an answer, 
or an interpretation and nothing around him made any sense, he already saw the Ancient of Days in the middle of his dream. So instead of focusing on all of the issues, come on, he just focused on the Ancient of Days. What I learned from this is it doesn't really matter what's going on around me or where I am. My next season is not the answer or the solution. Jesus being in my vision, the center and the focal point of everything that I'm dreaming about and everything that I'm thinking about. Jesus has always been and he will always be right in the middle of whatever we're in if we would just acknowledge that he is there with us. Number three, I'm closing with this. And this doesn't make any sense yet, but the collar on my shirt is going to bleed through by the end of this final point. And I'm going to have to go sit in front of a fan for the next 30 minutes to get ready to do it one more time. But I came to declare to you today that the enemy always and currently has an until. If I had a title for today's message, it would just be this word, until. I would write it on my notes, type it in my phone. You can put whatever you want to before it and you can put whatever you want to after it. But I came to deliver the until to this church this morning and for the rest of this year. Now I'm not preaching prosperity today. I'm not preaching just everything turning out favorable and blessing and you not having any problems or you not having any trials or you not getting anxious and you not being alarmed because we see all of those things in this book until. Let's read it. Verse 21, the Bible says, as I looked, this horn, I'm not going to, we're not getting into the specifics, the enemy, the horn represents the enemy. Which nation does the horn? Who cares? It's the enemy. The horn made war with the saints. Well, who's the Antichrist? Who cares? Fix your eyes upon Jesus. He's the author and perfecter. Stop looking for the Antichrist and lean into the Savior. This horn made war with the saints. Okay, well, hey, hang on. Daniel was already anxious. And he was already overwhelmed. He's already carrying all of this weight and... Another attack. And the enemy, the Bible says, prevailed over the saints. It seemed, hang on, it seemed for a moment that the enemy had overcome God, his plan and his people. Verse 22. Oh, I feel a preach coming on. Until. You know what? Because some of you may have just rolled your eyes or gotten frustrated. I mean, I want to run and shout and dance and scream this. But some of you are sick of hearing 
and you're ready to start seeing. And I came to prophesy today that the enemy may have been able to prevail, but I am declaring a divine until into your life right now. And I pray without shouting. I pray without screaming. I just pray all across this room and for those watching online that there is something that leaps in your spirit right now. That something begins to be stirred inside of your soul. When you read that the horn of the enemy made war with the saints and prevailed over them until the ancient of days came. I believe that there is an until on the way for every person listening to this message right now. This is not a prosperity that I am preaching. This is the promises of God still being yes and amen for those who are willing to submit to him. I believe that there is a specific until for a specific person in this room right now. Some of you have been praying specific prayers. I believe that an until the ancient of days is about to re re recognize and reveal himself in your scene and you are about to shift not in what's going on around you but what you believe about the ancient of days on the inside of you. So it's not that your problem is going to go away it's that your perspective is about to be shifted upside down not because your scene has changed but because you realize that the Savior has entered into your scene. I am declaring today and an until moment coming to America, an until moment coming to Louisiana, an until moment coming to Acadiana. I believe that if God, come on, could come into the epicenter of religiosity in the first center, that God is about to come into the epicenter of religiosity in South Louisiana. And he is about to declare an until that turns into a suddenly. I know that American morality was on a decline, but today I declare an until. I understand that complacent Christianity causes people to complain more than they contribute, but right now in this worship center with other believers uniting their faith and their declarations with mine, I declare that an until would hit in the hearts of God's people. I know that the enemy has tried to remove prayer and every word of God out of our school systems, out of our court system, out of our legal system out of our policies out of our politics and out of our platforms the enemy is attempting to confuse our children and rob the next generation of their God-given identity but today I declare that an until the ancient of days has already come upon the people of God and instead of begging God to reveal himself he's about to start using And the enemy has prevailed up to this moment. But right now, in the name of Jesus, I declare and until the Ancient of Days has come into the scene. And the people of God have recognized him as who he is and what he desires to do. Come on, I want to encourage you. Just sit back down for a minute because I'm almost done. But, but I, don't, I don't want you to think you're getting out yet. <laughs> 
I got to at least finish this verse. Watch. The enemy made war and the enemy seemed to prevail until Jesus was on the cross and assumed dead until the disciples were scattered like ants and they stopped following Jesus altogether until there are people in this room who have been bound and addicted by their own disobedience and some of you because of the sins of other people but today I declare and until in your life I understand that that God has been working God help me I, I understand that God has been working to reveal himself but but our lifestyle and our actions and and our lukewarm living has caused us to question whether he is really revealing himself and I just prophesied today that we would realize that the Savior has come into the scene and that we would stop looking around and we would start looking up because it is there that our help truly comes because the next phrase of this passage says that when the ancient of days came judgment was given for not two but for this the decision has already been decided all we have to do is walk in the destiny of what God has already declared judgment came for the saints of the Most High it, oh I almost just prayed in tongues out loud confused some of y'all I wanted to edify myself it's biblical but I'm telling you that Disney doesn't get to define the identity of your children I came to tell you that the public school system shouldn't have more influence over your children and grandchildren than you have investment into your children and grandchildren the society doesn't get to define how holy or impure you are before in and or god forbid after marriage the word has already been declared and it is up to the people of god to begin to walk in the destiny that god has already defined for his people the time came in Daniel chapter 7 the time came that means that it's already come the time came for the Saints to possess the kingdom Jesus Christ said I will we've already been over it you've heard it before you can quote this scripture and it's so easy to remember when somebody else is going through it and so hard to interpret when we need it the most Jesus said I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it I give you the keys to this kingdom that I gave Daniel a dream about and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in the kingdom of God and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in the kingdom of all authority has been given unto me and lo I am sending you to make disciples of every nation teaching and observing all truths baptizing in the name of the Father Son and the Holy Spirit and lo I will be with you when in the New Testament in the Old Testament no I will be with you from now until the day that I drink the cup again with
with you at the marriage supper of the Lamb because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I came to declare to the church today that the enemy's plan has a timeline and the clock has run out because I serve the God of the ages, the ancient of days, the one whose plan has always been and will forever be, no matter what the enemy tries to do about it, the ancient of days is still on the throne. Okay, hang on. This is the last thing and I'm going to pray because I'm hurting. God always has and until. If you don't remember anything else that I said today, remember this. Don't you ever give up. When you want to give up the most, you remember that the enemy prevailed until. You remember that this is going to hurt and the enemy meant for this to take me out until you remember it just seems like I can't do any better no matter what I try it just doesn't work until because I have been in the place where I thought my life was over until I have been in the place where I thought I was so bound that I would always secretly be this way until I've been in the place where I didn't see any way in heaven, hell, or in between that God could undo or restore what I had broken until I stand currently in a position where I have no idea how we are going to pay for what God told me to do until I have no idea how God took a hundred and turned it into this and I have no idea how he's going to take this and turn it into what he has next but even when I'm confused and even when I'm concerned although next week I will become anxious and I'm sure that something will happen that will cause me to be alarmed I with you will remind myself that the ancient of days always has an until.